kids just don't fall out of the sky. What are you trying to tell me, Dad? That I'm from another planet? So what are you? Man or Superman? We have a destiny together. You're a superhero. You're here to be a force for good. Not for evil. Every world needs its heroes. Time to become the Luther you were destined to be. I believe in you. I can be their hero. Oh, yeah. That's the little promo that the CW was running for a while for the series finale after 10 years of Smallville that just aired this past Friday on uh, the CW on Friday night. Uh, the finale was on, and, and I loved it. I'm going to talk a little bit about that on today's show. I won't spoil it because I know there are some people that haven't seen it yet, but uh, I really enjoyed it a lot, and uh, I thought it was great. Uh, Great fitting way to uh, send the series off. Uh, but uh, today uh, is May the 15th, 2011. This will be podcast 331 for Treks in Sci-Fi. I'm Rico, your host. This week, uh, the show's going to be a little bit, probably kind of a little more, more casual, kind of, and also uh, maybe shorter than normal. Uh, I'm mainly going to be talking about the Motor City Comic Con, uh, the regular annual kind of convention for comic book and media types uh, here in Michigan. I I didn't get to it last year because I was in Illinois, but this year I went yesterday. I'll be talking about that, have a little audio to play uh, from part of it. I'll be uh, talking more and explaining some of that uh, as the show goes on. Uh, But that will be today's. Instead of doing, I've done a video cast for that before, but I didn't take my camera, my video Uh, this year but there is some video up on youtube and things that you can find and probably will be more this next week uh, as people who go to the show uh, post up video on youtube so as that happens i'll try to post some of those links and things on the website and the forums over at treks and sci-fi so i I think that's all i needed to preface the show with uh sit back relax uh let's hit it everyone and welcome to this week's edition of Treks in Sci-Fi and again I am Rico your host. Just to start off with uh, anyone out there listening to the show uh, maybe for the first time or hasn't uh, listened in a while, welcome uh, and everyone else welcome as well. 
it's um it's a really cool windy rainy day here in michigan we had a and here's your uh <laughs> geeky weather report towards the end of last week it got really warm here we were in like the 80s which we we've been like practically winter still for a while and then I uh, blasted right up into like uh, the, about the mid 80s, which felt great to me. And, and, and it was wonderful. And the sun was out and all that. And we were getting still quite a bit of rain each evening, kind of stormy and that. And but uh, but of course, that couldn't last. And I guess Friday night and into Saturday for the weekend, it cooled off and uh, it was rainy and wet and that kind of miserable, like 40 to 50 degree temperature with wind and rain kind of weather and it uh, was a good thing to go to the uh, the Comic Con here in Michigan yesterday because it was terrible out. And actually, today uh, today's weather outside seems even worse. It's even colder and more windy. So uh, just stay inside and podcast or play World of Warcraft or whatever. Catch up on some movies or TV shows. Speaking of television shows, uh, it was a, a great Friday night. I got to watch the uh, the two hour series. I almost keeps wanting to say season finale because. Most finales, uh, you know, season to season, we don't get a lot of series finales. Unfortunately, a lot of shows that get canceled uh, uh, never get a finale either, which I'll talk about maybe a little bit here in a moment or two uh, about some cancellations uh, for this season. But anyway, I watched Smallville. I've watched this series, and I've talked about it. I've done Superman podcasts, and I, I think I've mentioned uh, quite a few times that I really enjoy Smallville. It is not... Uh, it is a, a sort of a different take on Superman. It's it's mostly followed Clark Kent uh, from the time he started high school through into uh, working at the Daily Planet and, and as a young adult and and making sort of small steps along the way in the road towards becoming you know the Man of Steel and Superman. The the series I think has been uh, really really good. I, I think a lot of people. Maybe uh, comic book fans, maybe Superman fans, maybe just geeks in general, maybe at first didn't get, uh, didn't really, weren't all that interested perhaps in seeing Smallville because it, I think, I think some people may have thought it as of, you know, like, like this, oh, that's like, you know, 90210 uh, Superman, you know, it's not, it's not, you know, the true story or whatever, but I, I've really enjoyed it. I think the actors have, have really developed, the characters have really developed over the years, and They've done a great job. It's uh, is it exactly true to the comics? Of course not. Not like any you know you know anything that they've done in movies or TV has ever been before. And even the comics, the Superman comics, uh, change and evolve and and alter themselves over the years. So, with all that said, I, you know, and and again, this is a series that I've enjoyed a lot. They've they've mixed up the characters. A few years ago, they really altered the the sort of tone of the show quite a bit because. Some of the main cast members uh, went away, especially, I would say, the, the biggest change was Michael Rosenbaum left the series, who played Lex Luthor so well for so many years. Clark's, you know, kind of nemesis. They start out as sort of friends, and then that slowly turns into, uh, you know, more adversarial uh, situation, and, and just a lot of things go on. Very, very interesting, deep character. He played him great, and uh, he does, of course, this has been pretty announced, pretty much announced on the web, he does reappear and is back in the finale uh, for, for some of the final two-hour episode. So the I, I really thought, though, that when they lost him and, and a couple of the other characters, Lana and, and Cleveland Chloe disappeared for a while and so forth, that the show was going to, you know, kind of go downhill, downhill and change a, lit, a, a lot, and, and it 
didn't really happen that way. They really did some great stories. They worked a lot on the Clovis, uh, sorry, Clo- Clark. That that's the. Uh, there are all these little acronyms that show up on forums and on the web for different relationships. The Clark Lois uh, relationship is called the uh, is called Clovis sometimes. <laughs> Not that I know that stuff, but. Anyway, the uh, they worked on Lois and Clark and their situation and relationship, and, and I, I really think they did a great job with that. Erica Durance, uh, Tom Welling, you know, in the two main lead parts there, I re- really uh, developed a lot of chemistry and, and worked very well on screen. I, I personally and frankly think that they would make a great team up for, uh, for a movie. I, I just... You know, they're doing this new Superman reboot, 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 whatever you want to call it. And while I, I, I'll, I'll definitely be seeing it, I'm definitely holding on hope. I think the main actor looks the part and, and all that. I don't know him real well. I haven't seen him in a lot. I know he's in this movie uh, this fall called Immortals. Um, Henry Cavill, is his, I think is his name. And uh, who's the girl they got for Lois? That uh, one that's in a lot of romantic comedies. It'll come to me or I'll look it up at the break. But uh, I just, you know, sometimes I wish they would, they would, you know, these guys have worked with these characters and played these characters for 10 years. And, you know, give them a shot at a movie maybe, you know, think about that. I, I'm sure it was considered, especially for Tom Welling, I, I think that they definitely considered it. So, uh, but enough about that. And here comes Kaylee. Kaylee's going to visit me while I podcast. <laughs> so let's get back to the finale, though. I... I there was a lot that they had to resolve in this finale. There are many plot things that were going on this season that they had to finish up, and they had to give it a chance to, you know, kind of send off uh, Clark and, and have him become, you know, the Man of Steel. And, and it, the big thing about Smallville always was they had this no tights, no flights rule where he was never going to really wear the costume and he wasn't going to be flying. He'd always just super speed around and run around and things. He's almost fl- flown a few times, and in a way he has flown a few times in the series due to different circumstances, but not really uh, like uh, like he should. And, of course, we get that in the finale. I'm not going to spoil anything, but that was, that's been pretty much out there on the web and rumored for a bit. Uh, and I won't say, again, too many details about all that. I'm just going to say that the finale was, I think, the best way they could have ended the series. I think they did a great job with it. I didn't feel, you know, that it was uh, cheated or rushed or any or any problems with it. I think they resolved things real well. And they do a nice thing of, of the way they wrap around the uh, the series. It involves uh, Chloe and it involves a comic book, let's just say. But I, you'll see it if you watch this thing. It happens in the first few minutes. But it's, it's a really cool little thing they do. And it's just great. I even put up a, a clip on uh, my YouTube page over at Trek SF. Uh, if you search for my username Trek SF on YouTube, I put uh, a clip of the last few minutes of the episode. They did some great stuff uh, in the last few minutes of the episode, of course, and just just perfect. And I can't say enough how, how much I enjoyed it. And I'm really going to miss the series. I mean, it's been. 10 years, you know, it's just incredible how long uh, I've been through a few jobs. My kids are grown up now since it started. I mean, it started in 2001, I think, is the is the year it started, or 2000, would it have been? I don't know, but uh, it's uh, it's been around a long time, and they had a good long run, and that's the way I wish most series had a chance to do. Switching off from Smallville, and I, I will say again, if anyone... If you want to pick up and start watching this show, I I, I highly recommend it. 
Uh, I don't know if it's all streaming on Netflix or some of it might be, but uh, it's it's well worth it. I, I saw that they were advertising during the finale that they were going to release the complete series on DVD. Uh, they put the last few seasons out on Blu-ray. I don't know if we'll ever get um, the earlier seasons on, on high def or Blu-ray or not, but that would be pretty cool. I'd love to have it all on. I've bought uh, a couple of the seasons on Blu-ray now, and it, it's just a great show, a lot of fun. And, you know, it's one of those shows that they had sort of individual stories, and then they also had story arcs going on each season as well. So I, I like that combination, just like they do on a show like Fringe or, or Lost, even when that was on. Although that was a, I'd say that was a much more ongoing story and arc than, than uh, even Smallville was at times. Okay, uh, let's get off to uh, other television topics. There was some sort of bad news, but not too surprising in, in, in the geeky world and genre TV. Uh, we, we found out this week that uh, both V and No Ordinary Family, two genre-type TV shows, uh, won't be coming back in the fall. Not too surprising. I, uh, no Ordinary Family, I enjoyed that series and enjoyed V as well. I, I'm not as surprised probably about No Ordinary Family. I mean, it, I know it had, you know, ratings troubles. It started off pretty strong and not too bad, and then it dwindled off. I think the show got really interesting and had a lot of potential, and I, I thought that it was a nice follow-up in a way. Not a really a follow-up, but, a, you know, a nice uh, superhero-type show, uh, a little bit lighter than what Heroes was and not nearly had the uh, huge storyline and stuff that was going on in heroes but uh, i i liked it and i'll miss it v uh you know they had two seasons i i i think it you know the show i was okay with it i wasn't a, i'm not a, i've never been a big v fan i've said that a few times before too but i think the i think they took too long to really get into the heart of the show and i also thought that this season they blew a few opportunities i mean i'm not saying that would have changed the ratings or changed i think i think television i don't think the stories or the quality of the show is definitely dictates whether a show does great in the ratings or or doesn't do great in the ratings i mean there's a lot of you know quote unquote reality tv on that i don't really care for that much that gets amazing ratings which i i just don't care for but anyway uh but v i i think that they I, you know, to me, the show got kind of depressing at times. I mean, they they were just really fighting what looked like a losing battle much of the time. I mean, they had a few small victories, but anyway, I, it's it's a shame that you know they ended it in kind of a a little bit of a cliffhanger situation. There wasn't there was no resolution to anything, and that that I feel is a shame. I wish that I I think I've said this before too. I, I wish when these shows had a chance to. Um, they knew they were going to go off the air. I wish they would have a few weeks' notice or a few months' notice to sort of resolve things to a degree when they knew that was going to happen. But, hey, that's the way it goes sometimes, I guess. So maybe they will uh, release some information about where they were going with the series at some point or, or perhaps a book or two, something like that. I hope so for the V fans. I, I know that people on the forum and Kenny and others were supporting the show quite a bit, and I know a lot of people out there enjoyed it. And, and like I said, I did too. I watched the whole series, and uh, I wish they would have had a chance to come back, even for maybe a half a season, to kind of wrap things up. So... Uh, but I'm sure it, with the show, even though they did a lot of CG work uh, and it wasn't, you know, they didn't use a lot of real sets for some of the uh, the interiors of the V-ships and that, I'm sure it wasn't the cheapest show to do, that's for sure. Um, yeah, but there's a lot of stuff that's 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 not coming back, especially genre shows. Uh, 
Yeah, we are getting fringe back. And, oh, on, on a positive front and good news front, we got Chuck is coming back. I think they only gave a, a, a half a season order for the series, but they've done that before, too, for Chuck. So, hey, we get a chance to see more Chuck. And I think there's one or two episodes still left this season of that. That's a great show. A lot of fun. Uh, always always fun to see uh, more Chuck, and I'm happy that we're going to get that back at least. Big Bang Theory will be back, and there's some new stuff that's coming on next season as well. So uh, so that's all good, and uh, I'm happy for that. And and hopefully we'll get some new things to uh, interest us geeks in tuning in on, on regular uh, network TV next season. I'm going to take a little break. I'll come back with a couple other news stories, and then we'll get into talking about uh, the Motor City Comic Con. Walter, what are you doing? What you learn? I wish there was some way to find out what's really worth watching. There is. What? Who? What was that? Tuning into Sci-Fi TV is the viewer's guide to genre television. Where is that coming from? With its spoiler-free quick reviews and water cooler and the spoiler-filled in-depth back porch discussions, Tuning into Sci-Fi TV is the only resource fans need to know what's on, what's good, and what's coming soon in science fiction and fantasy television. How did you get into my house? Join Kevin, Wendy, and Brent each week for the latest in genre television. I'm calling the police. Uh, you can find Tuning into Sci-Fi TV at TuningIntoSciFiTV.com. No, seriously. How did you get into my house? Okay, a couple of follow-ups to what I was uh, saying earlier. We'll also talk about a couple of Trek stories. Uh, first, uh, the yeah, the final episode of Chuck is uh, this Monday, tomorrow, for the season. I also read that the uh, that they have uh, definitely said that the final 13 episodes of the final season is next year for Chuck. No renewal or anything like that. I guess they're giving him a fifth season, but it is the final season. It'll be only 13 episodes. Uh, and Robert Duggan McNeil, of course, who's directed a lot of Chuck and, and is also a producer, he's going to work a lot on that season. Uh, the uh, couple other things, it looks like the William Shatner show, Bleep My Dad Says, is still not not renewed or canceled yet. They're, that's still kind of up in the air. The Vampire Diaries will be back next season. I'm still enjoying that show. Uh, I think it's pretty good, really interesting stuff going on with that. I, I haven't talked about that that much uh, lately, but, uh, but that's going to be back next year also supernatural which i've i gotta really catch up and watch that show it always looks good in the uh the previews for it and i don't know why i never started watching it and now it's like in its season i don't know six seven something like that it's kind of uh hard to catch on a couple things i wanted to mention uh, you know on the fact that we're losing some of these series though but a couple of new series that look pretty interesting one of these that i've just read about this morning is called uh, it's uh, it's called the river, and this is going to star Bruce Greenwood. Uh, of course, he played Pike in the last Trek movie. This is going to be on ABC, and let me give you a little bit of uh, some of this blurb on this series. Famed explorer Dr. Emmett Cole, played by Gru- Bruce Greenwood, went looking for magic deep in the uncharted Amazon and never returned. Now the shocking truth about his disappearance is out there somewhere, just waiting to be discovered. Uh, la 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 la. Let's see. His son looks like he goes looking for him. It looks like it sort of is going to be slightly Indiana Jones like, maybe uh, adventure, excitement, danger, some magic. Uh, uh, let's see. They search for Dr. Cole. They will encounter a scary new mystery each week while struggling with their own personal issues and secrets and desires. Da 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 da. They adventure further into the Amazon away from the world they knew. All right, so that looks pretty cool. I'll give it a shot. Uh, another series here is called uh, Perception, 
and this is uh, looks pretty interesting. Uh, LeVar Burton is going to be a recurring character on this. Uh, let's see. In Perception, Eric McCormick, uh, who is on that uh, Will and Grace series for a lot of years, plays Dr. Jeffrey Pierce, an eccentric neuroscientist who uses his unique outlook and expertise to help the federal government crack difficult cases. He uses his knowledge of human behavior and masterful understanding of the mind are matched by his equally odd and imaginative view of the world. Rachel Lee Cook is also going to be in this series uh, as FBI agent Kate, Kate Rossi. Uh, she's a former student of Pierce, is, and they work together. Kelly Rowan is going to be in this also. Uh, looks That looks pretty cool. Uh, you know, another one of those sort of crime-slash-science-slash-type uh, dramas uh, that, you know, Maybe a little fringe-like. I don't know. We'll see. So uh, there we go. There's some new stuff that looks interesting uh, in the news of uh, television and things like that and genre stuff. A little story that came out related to Trek this week was that uh, Robert Orsi and Alex Kurtzman, a couple of the guys that are working on the Trek movie, the next one, and the writers, uh, have been uh, tossing around the idea, idea of doing a new animated Star Trek series. Now, Another animated Trek series has been talked about and thrown around for a long time. It was getting even close at one time, maybe three or four years ago, uh, maybe even a little bit more back than that, when uh, they were working on some even pre-production art and character sketches and things, and it got all canned, especially around the time when they they dumped a lot of the StarTrek.com staff uh, but these guys have uh, been tossing around some stuff on Twitter and some comments they've been making about doing a new animated Trek. I think it'd be a cool idea. I've, I've never quite gotten or understood why they wouldn't do a, an animated Trek series. You know, the, it, doing an animated Trek series just opens up so many possibilities. It, it's just uh, would be great. I think I, I'd, I'd love it. Although I have a feeling. It, I, just because it's it, they've tried for a long time to do it, that they've never gotten it off the ground, that I don't know if it had happened. I don't think we'd get anything, certainly, before the next movie happens. I think their focus is going to be for the next year, year and a half plus, doing the um, the next film. So we'll see what happens on this. But I thought I'd pass on that uh, that little idea. You know, maybe they're taking a little cue from uh, the Clone Wars and, and how well that's been doing, uh, you know, and with cable television and and. and the Cartoon Network, there's lots of avenues to uh, to put something like this out. You know, even on the web, they could just do a, a flat-out web uh, web series or a web animated series. So looks like a lot of the actors that were in the last Star Trek movie have been kind of in the news lately saying they're anxious to get started. Uh, people like Carl Urban and Simon Pegg, uh, George Takei, who's at the Motor City Comic Con this weekend, I guess he was a little unhappy that uh, that J.J. Abrams took the the name Star Trek to just call his movie. Uh, you know, I'm like George. You know, whatever. It's not a big deal, really. Really, I don't know. I I mean, I could see his point a little bit, but uh, it, it's it's it, it's not to me. I I I think that uh, you know. I don't know. I didn't really get that bothered by that. Was there anyone else out there? You know, you guys send me your comments at treksf uh, at gmail that they use just the name Star Trek for the last movie. Now, of course, they can't get away with that for the next one. I'm not sure what they're going to do. You know, it, it's either going to be, I don't think they'd number it. I have a feeling it'll it'll get a name or a, or a subtitle like Star Trek, you know, the, the New Frontier, or who knows what they're going to That's just, I, that doesn't, that 
that name doesn't mean anything. i just tossing that out there. I think there's a book series called The New Frontier in Trek, and that's probably why it popped into my head. But I have a feeling it'll be something like that, Star Trek colon, you know, dash, something, 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 or whatever. But uh, that, uh, I think, will happen, uh, uh, some kind of title like that. Uh, what else? I think that's uh, that's about it, really, in, in, in stuff that I wanted to pass on and talk about related to Trek and related to... Uh, uh, other things on television and that. I haven't seen any movies. I'd like to go see, uh, you know, I, saw, I did see, of course, Thor last week. I talked about that already. I'd like to see that Priest movie that just came out. And next weekend we get uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. So that should be a lot of fun. It looks like they really worked hard at making this one a little bit more like the first movie or a little bit more fun than maybe the last two Pirates films that I think they kind of lost their way a little bit. And especially with number three, I it wasn't too bad on number two, but number three, I don't know. They just, they were going off into so many weird little areas that I just didn't think it really fit very well for, uh, for, uh, the franchise. But next week we get number four. So I'll be there definitely to check that out. I think that's all. Uh, I'm going to take another break, and I'll come back and fill you guys all in on what happened uh, at the Comic-Con yesterday for me, and a little bit, of, a few stories, and a little bit of audio that I captured from uh, one of the talks that was given. Hey there, once you've finished listening to the brilliant Treks in Sci-Fi with Rico Dusty, why don't you come over and check my podcast out? We talk about classic television programs and films from around the world. We're called Waffle on Podcast, and you can find us at iTunes. Just type in Waffle on Podcast, or go to our main website, that's waffleon.podbean.com. We would be honoured if you'd join us. Okay, Motor City Comic Con, this uh, convention held pretty much each year, I think for a while now. I've been to it for many years. Uh, I've missed a few, but uh, I go to it pretty regularly. And it is, uh, you know, about eh, a half hour away where the where they located in Novi, Michigan. Used to be in a smaller uh, uh, little uh, convention type center. I don't even want to call it a convention center. It was more just a place where they had all kinds of events, car shows home and garden shows, RV shows, and then, you know, occasionally a little con like the Comic Con. Then they moved it a few years ago, eh, probably about five years ago, to this new place that was pretty close to the old location but much bigger. And I, when they first did that, I thought, oh, this is fantastic. It's it's in such a bigger location, and it will be a lot more easy to walk around the dealer's room, and they'll have nice places to do the talks and all that. Well, as all things happen, they've pretty much filled that place up now. It's really busy. A lot more people seem to go to it. I think, as I've said, geeks and this kind of genre fandom has has just exploded in the last, you know, five to ten years. Ah, I'm, I'll, I'll sound like, you know, Grandpa Trekkie here, but, uh, you know, back in the day, this this wasn't like it. Like, you know, there was, uh, you know, you know, you get Star Trek reruns on some syndicated TV station. There was a couple other shows floating around. Network TV, there was nothing on there for the geek. And now it's, it's just completely taken over. And... Uh, I don't know. I think I may have said this one before on the podcast, but 
I always kind of attribute this to people that uh, like me that grew up with this kind of stuff that loved it so much and that when they make their way out into Hollywood people like JJ Abrams uh, and others Joss Whedon and they get in some areas of, of uh, abilities to create these projects and have power in that that this is what they like to do so you have these geeks that uh, made their way out there to to follow in the footsteps kind of of Lucas and Spielberg and now there's putting out more and more of this content so that has created you know there's more content so you get more fans because hey maybe some of them really don't like Trek maybe they like Star Wars maybe they like uh, Fringe maybe they you know like Big Bang Theory who knows what they like but uh, or Chuck or, or all these shows and, and that just spreads out the love of these geeky phenomenon so you get all different kinds of people at these conventions now now let me go back and uh i'll tell you a little bit about how my day yesterday went and how it all started out uh first off i kind of waited probably a little too long a couple of weeks ago i put in for my press pass and uh you know these things i've gotten them before they're pretty easy to get uh you know you just fill out a little form on their online site Tell them where you're from, like a you know a website that you do the you cover this kind of stuff, or a magazine, or obviously radio, TV people, whatever. You just fill out the little form. You go there. There's a little book. They've got your name down. They give you a little badge. Da 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 da. Well, I never got a confirmation email. I sent in the form, but I never got an email back saying, "Hey, you're all set." Da da da. So, and I was like, when I drove over there yesterday, I was a little concerned. I was like, eh, maybe they, you know, it got slipped through the cracks. Something happened. So I finally get in, and I, and, I, and I finally make my way. Well, first off, I went to the front of the building, which was a mistake. I should have remembered the back of the building is where press and exhibitors enter. So, And it was kind of raining a little. So I had to drive, you know, go back out to the car, drive around the back of the building. And then I go in, and I, you know, there's this lady who looks a little frazzled there with her little book of, of, of press uh, names and everything like that. And, and, and she's looking through and looking through. And I could tell after she's looking through page after page a few times, she's not finding my name. I give her one of my business cards for the for the podcast. And I'm like, oh, you're not finding it? Oh, I, you know, I sent in the, you know, filled out a little form a few weeks ago or whatever I said, something like that. Tried to make it pretty casual. And, uh, and I said, well, you could just, you know, just add me in now, can't you? And she said, oh, yeah. And then she pulls out her little, uh, they have this little thing that, that spits out your, you know, a little sticker with your name. She pulls out a blank uh, press pass, sticks the sticker on it with my name, uh, with a little, uh, you know, lanyard thing that goes around your neck. Bang, bang, bang. Five minutes later, I'm in, I'm in the convention. The, the, the plus about all this thing, the biggest plus was for probably the, the I, I never saw a line longer to get into a, a, one of these Motor City Comic Cons as I did yesterday. Maybe it was the kind of crummy weather. People weren't out enjoying a, a nice summer, spring day. Uh, maybe that's why there were so many. And I usually, I try to not get there right when it opens. I try to get there maybe an hour after that, figuring all those early people will have filtered their way in. And there may be a little line to get tickets, but it won't be that bad. Well, this line ran. The length of this building kind of wrapped around and all that. Most of the people, fortunately, were able to stay inside the building. But it was crazy. I never saw a line like that just to buy the tickets and get in. So not only you know was it nice to not have to pay the admission fee, it was only like 20 or $25. It's not a, a big cost at this one. But I, I got to basically slide into the convention and avoid that whole line. So, hey, I'm pressed. What do you want? So let's go to now the convention. Let's talk about that. Uh, 
it looks, uh, you know, after you go to these things for a while, you learn the ropes and where things are. And this isn't a huge thing. This isn't anything like, I don't know how many people they get to this uh, Motor City Comic Con. I'd like to know. Uh, they have a really not a great website. It's kind of disappointing. They didn't even have a schedule of events posted ahead of time, which caused me to, or, or leads me to what I, I really have to relay this week is that I'm missing today. Today is the big Trek Star talk. There was going to be well, the the Trek people there this um, this weekend were Brent Spiner, uh, Kate Mulgrew, and George Takei. Those uh, those three, I think that was it. I don't think there were any even other you know like minor stars that were in like guest starred in one episode or anything. Maybe there were. If there are, I'm sorry, I'm not mentioning them. Uh, you can learn about this uh, convention, by the way. Just go to Motor City Conventions or Motor City Comic Con, I think, are the links. And I'll try to put that in the podcast notes. But they are doing their talk, their Trek talk, today at 1 o'clock. Uh, I tossed around, you know, I have a press pass. I could drive back over there today and go to it, but eh, I'm not going to do it. I've seen Bren. I've seen Kate. I've seen George. I've seen all of them speak before. Brent's a pretty much a regular at the Motor City Comic Con. He's a... Uh, He's there just about every year that I've ever gone, at least in the last five or six years. He's pretty regular there. Kate's they've been there a couple times, I think. And George George is pretty regular, too. He's He's been there quite a few times as well. So, I mean, if we had somebody a little more unusual who I've, I haven't seen, maybe, uh, like a Scott Bakula, for example. I don't know if I've ever seen Scott Bakula. I think I did see him once uh, speak. But, you know, somebody that I, that I haven't seen a lot, I may have uh, gone over and, and checked it out. But uh, those guys I've seen, they're great people, uh, and um, I've uh, even got video and stuff, I think, of Brent uh, at different times, and so I'm not going to go over to it. The uh, But it was kind of disappointing because I flipped through the little program guidebook when I got into the con, and I go, oh, okay, Trek Talk is going to be at, uh, at 1 o'clock, and I was there about noon, maybe, noon or 1230, uh, and I said, oh, good, perfect timing, and, and I, I went over to the... Uh, they have these little rooms, side rooms set up for the the speakers. And so I go over there in speaker room one, and Richard Hatch from Battlestar Galactica is, is finishing up his little talk. So I, I work my way up to, actually, there aren't a lot of people in there. Poor Richard, you know. <laughs> I, I don't know. There was a few. There wasn't a lot. And, uh, and, and you know, it, he's wearing these sunglasses, too. It's fairly dark inside there, and he's got sunglasses on, although a couple times he took them off. You know, but I, what what's up with the you know sunglasses indoor? There weren't really a lot of bright lights on. It wasn't like they were really lighting up the place. It was actually pretty dim in there. And he has these sunglasses on. I tried to take some pictures. By the way, I did take quite a few photos of people in costumes. Some of the celebrities. I'll put them up on my Flickr page uh, later today, and I will also link that in the podcast notes so you guys can see some pictures. Didn't really take any video much this year, but I have a lot of photos of uh, some people, a lot of people in costume uh, and, and some of the celebs that I saw. But anyway, Richard Hatch is finishing finishing his Battlestar Galactic talk. There's even a few seats left in the front row, so I kind of wiggle my way in, trying not to uh, be too noticeable and, and sit kind of on the edge of the front row. And he plays his, you know, he made a few years ago a, a promo trailer for a new Galactica series before we got the new uh, Ron Moore BSG series, he was trying to push and promote uh, a BSG series or a movie or whatever, so he created this little trailer. You can probably find it on YouTube. He played that at the end of his talk. But anyway, so there weren't a lot of people in there, and I'm down in the front row, and then he finishes up, and there's a couple ladies sitting next to me. And here I thought, oh, I'm all set. I've got my little audio recorder, uh, my little tiny little audio recorder Sony 
that, that I was going to record some of the uh, audio for you guys of the Trek stars. And I'm looking at the schedule, and the ladies turn to me and say, oh, are you here for the Star Wars talk? <laughs> and I said, oh, you mean Star Trek? And I thought, you know, they're a little older ladies. Maybe they get their Star Wars and their Star Trek confused, you know, like some people do. But And, and so I'm like, hmm, you know. And I, so I pull out my uh, the program again, and I'm flipping through it, and I go, oh, crud, you know, or crap or whatever, frack. I uh, I noticed that the 1 p.m. talk is Sunday, not Saturday, and there is a Star Wars talk coming on with, uh, it's going to be Peter Mayhew, of course, Chewbacca, and Julian Glover, who was in Empire Strikes Back, also had a big part in the uh, Indiana Jones Last Crusade movie, and uh, a woman who played one of the Ewoks in Return of the Jedi. The three of them are going to come up there and talk, and I go, you know, oh, uh-oh, so uh, so I decide to stay. I stay for most of their talk, and actually, I'm going to take a uh, I'm going to take a break. But I'm going to play that for you uh, now. That audio of Peter Mayhew, Julian Glover, and I'm sorry. They, I think they introduced the woman uh, who played the Ewok, but I, I don't recall her name off the top of my head. Uh, but she was she explains. You'll hear in the audio. I think her talking about uh, the Ewok she plays in the movie. She actually had some scenes with Chewie in uh, Return of the Jedi. And she she was kind of you know had some interesting things to say I thought, but I do have to preface preface the um, uh, this audio with with a couple of things. One, you're gonna have to be probably someplace pretty quiet and maybe turn up the volume. Uh, I'll try to tweak this audio, but you're in a convention center. I'm just sitting in the front row, and and trying to pick up audio from the speakers they had set up. They they were using microphones. Some of it, Peter Mayhew uh, is a little hard to understand. You know, he's got a little bit of a an accent to begin with, but he doesn't speak the most, uh, you know, loudly or succinctly. I think the woman uh, who played the Ewok and Julian Glover, you can hear pretty well. But anyway, I think you'll be able to pick up this audio. It's maybe, I don't know, it's 10 or 15 minutes of it, something like that. Anyway, after the, how many times did I say anyway there? Ah, I said it again. Oh, you said it again. <laughs> There's a little Monty Python riff. But the uh, audio uh, for the uh, Star Wars talk, not Star Trek, Star Wars talk from the Motor City Comic Con 2011 is coming up right now. Okay. So, it's a Q&A, and I guess there is a microphone at the be in the uh, middle here. So you're going to put your thinking caps on. Don't be shy. Any question, except if it's hot. We already know it was hot. It's but uh, put your thinking caps on and, and get up to the microphone, okay? Um, Peter, do you want to start us off? Why don't you tell everybody uh, how you got the role of Chewbacca with, uh, with the first film? Um, I did a movie called Sinbad and the Eye of the with Ray Harryhausen doing all the stick men. I played the Minotaur, uh, which was a big costume, fiberglass costume. Not only that, but I was on a boat in the Mediterranean and they never even asked me whether I could swim or not. So you're looking at something like eight feet high, a suit of armour made out of fiberglass. Um, that led to talking to other people who moved from movie to movie. My name was put forward. Uh, short interview with George Lucas and looked at the drawings I said, I think I can do this you know, having been floating around the Mediterranean for about three months on a barge studio work would seem simple 
So, and within half an hour or so, we were at a costume shop getting costume made. Within two weeks, and I know this because uh, the main unit were out in Tunisia doing the desert stuff. My interview was on the first day of shooting, so I had they had two weeks to get the costume ready so that they could come back and shoot on it directly, and that is what we did. Within two weeks, two weeks was good. Uh, don't ask me how, but he, you know, he was, you know, he, he was a minor character, but then suddenly, after Empire, he be, or during Empire, he becomes a, a uh, on a path to an icon. So that's as far as you know I can go at the moment. Excellent, thank you, Peter. We have a, another Star Wars celebrity joining us, Lydia Green. She was one of the Ewoks in Return of the Jedi. Rockstar, come on, make her feel it. There you go. All right. So uh, now we have a very distinguished actor here, uh, old-time British school acting. No, well, old-time meaning it, it, it's a, it's a, it's exactly. This is this is real acting here. This is old school, long time in the business. He's been in, uh, you know, he's in the James Bond film for your eyes only. Did you guys know that? Another Lucas film production, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. He played the baddie, Walter Donovan, and did a very good job at it. So, Julian, I, I would like to know. Now, guys, I'm not going to be the only one asking questions. If you have a question, get up to the mic, and then I'll stop. But to keep us on a roll, Julian, I would like to know how you got the role of Walter Donovan in The Last Crusade. Through nepotism. <laughs> <laughs> it happened that I'm, I live, lived uh, next door to the executive producer <laughs> of Star Wars, Robert Watts. Um, and I got the Star Wars through him being a friend and saying, there's this little part in uh, this film I'm doing, uh, the sequel to Star Wars, uh, are you interested in that? Just a week's work, 200 pounds, interested? Well, yeah, why not do that? Little did I know I was walking into a legend. Uh, after that, uh, I was a little bit more wary. And when Indiana Jones came along, um, I went to Robert Watts and said, I know you're a tech producer on it, will you put me up for it? He said, well, I was going to put you up for the German um, uh, Nazi uh, soldier, you know, later played by Michael Byrne, beautifully, wonderful, wonderful face he has. And I went up for that and didn't get it. So, okay, so that was the nepotism over. And then they rang me up and said, come along, we want to see you for Walter Donovan. I couldn't believe my ears. They wanted to see me for Walter Donovan. You know, I went along and did a, a reading, you know, sort of quasi-American accent, um, which wasn't very good at that time. But I got the part. I, I simply couldn't believe it. Then I learned how to do the accent right. And let me just say about the accent. Uh, we were half through shooting when Steven Spielberg said to me, Julian, um, this seems like patting my back, and I'm, I'm telling you for a reason. He said, um, your accent is so great, you're such a lovely actor, you'll never stop working in American films again. I've never done one since. Uh, someone needs to call Mr. Spielberg, I think. Uh, you guys know right now you can catch Julian on an HBO series called Game of Thrones. You guys all, who's heard of it? Who's heard of it? There you go. And they, there you go. It's really interesting because uh, when I came here, I was speaking to Derek and 
said, what are you doing now? And I told him about Game of Thrones. And he wasn't familiar with it then, he is now. And I said, um, I wonder how many people will have seen it here, because it's being very popular in England at the moment, open at the same time as it did here. And every other person says to me, what do you play in Game of Thrones? Well, you mustn't blink, uh, or you'll miss me. But I play a character called Pycelle, who is very, very, very old. And that's the reason you don't recognize me, because I look so young in real life. All right? He's going to be in the second series, second season as, as well, so watch for it. All right, so Lydia, we'll, we'll go over to you now. The first question was, how did you get the role in, in Return of the Jedi? Hello, everybody. Good afternoon. Lydia. Lydia show. Um, how I got into the movie Return of the Jedi was that I had completed a film called Under the Rainbow. Under the Rainbow with Chevy Chase, Carrie Fisher was in the movie, and, and different people. And the guys that did the casting, they became really good friends of mine. We lived in the area in L.A. And um, about a year and a half later, they came over and said, um, Lydia, we got a show that we're casting. You know, and I'm like, okay, what is it? Well, it's Blue Harvest. And I'm like, oh, okay. And what do I have to do? Is, is it costume work? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, I hate costume work. But it was like, get per diem, we'll fly you up there, we're going to have a blast. And I kind of figured it might have been um, the next Star Wars. And as we got up there and saw the characters and we went for fittings and the costumes, so I was able to get into the show. And it was, it was, um, totally changed my life as far as acting. I mean, it was just so much fun and, and working with everybody. And I worked on the set just as an Ewok. First step I took in the forest, it was like I fell flat on my face and they went cut, get rid of her. And so um, after three weeks of working, Felix uh, Silla, who was here, I, we have the same costume and the same size. I'm a little heavier, but the same size. So. They wanted him on the set to do stunts, so they said, we're going to fly you and Lucas's private jet down to ILM to do blue screening, and I'm like, okay, I'm in. So um, I did the, the close-up to blue screening on the glider where I dropped the rocks, and um, the other scene I did with Peter, which we did over and over and over again, and if you remember, uh, Peter had the two Ewoks jumped onto the, I call it chicken walker. We went down the hatch. I had a, a club, and we beat up the stormtroopers and threw them out, and there's um, an Ewok driving, and then Peter was in the other seat, and then I was standing right in the middle with Peter. So it was really fantastic to be able to do two scenes that's not on the cutting room floor, but to see myself in the movie, and to have the experience to work with Peter, who I love, and um, some of the other some of the other stars, and just to have that opportunity to be doing that, you know. So um, that's how I got into the movie, and then I did other stuff from there, other shows, and um, improv, comedy, all kinds of different things. And now I'm an advocate for people with disabilities and work with Delta Airlines. Uh, we'll go back over to Peter. Peter is not just a, an actor, but most recently uh, a, a writer. He's got two books. Uh, well, one is out now on the table, right? So I'm gonna I'm gonna let Peter tell you a little bit about his book. Well, you know, 
have a life similar to mine. Um, and nobody really would believe you if you grew up normal. Uh, but I kept growing and growing and growing. Uh, so recently, two or three years ago, I've always been talking about life and we decided to um, get illustrations and do much. The first book is me growing up during wartime, therefore everything is uh, very, how can you put it, uh, very scarce because, you know, in England and Europe, you know, uh, mid-40s, uh, what the war, Second World War was to go in, uh, life is a bit tedious, not tedious, but uh, hard. So we, the first one, the first book is me growing up, what happened, things, but the second book I'm a bit more proud of, it's the story of um, Katie Johnson from the 501st, young lady that died from cancer and they Lucasfilm made a R2D2 unit which is pink so it's a KT unit and it compares my size with hers there's also Kenny Baker's in it for the different sizes um, and it's just a book that kids learn uh, people can look at and people are different but oh, well, it doesn't matter whether you're seven foot four or three foot four, you still have the same problems. And it just highlighted it. We thought it would be a good thing. Um, a lot of people aren't aware of the height differences. Oi, put him down. Um, so, you know, it's just a question of comers. Uh, we've got one book at the table. Um, come and see us and we'll. You can have a look at it, but both books will be out, not only on my website, but on Barnes, probably in Barnes and Nobles at the same time. Okay? I want you to buy those books, because they're really, really nice. They're not only just fascinating about the man himself, but beautifully written and very funny, uh, and wonderful illustrations, so I strongly recommend you do that. And that's 10%, please, Peter. All right, we have our first question in the center. Go ahead, ma'am. Hello there. Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of both. Should I keep on going over the lady and the... Doctor Who and Blake Seven and lots of wonderful British shows playing, playing you know the bad guy. Um, do you like playing the bad guys, or do you prefer playing good guys, or is it just you know great fun either way, or what? I like playing any guys as long as they pay me. Uh, <laughs> no, that's a silly, silly answer. Um, I love playing bad guys because they're usually the most interesting parts in the film or in the play. 
the thing about a ga bad guy is that he's not a bad guy to himself. He's working for certain reasons. Indiana Jones, for instance, I don't know how many of you have seen it, um, but what wouldn't you do for the secret of eternal life? If you thought you were onto that little ticket, you'd do anything. Oh, shut up, woman. Um, I started off my film career playing baddies in a... What is now a classic of the cinema, I don't know which of you have seen it, a film called Tom Jones with the uh, young Albert Finney, which is an absolutely wonderful film. And if you ever catch it on television, watch it. It's a, 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 an 18th century romp, really funny, beautifully done. And that was my first villain. I used to play jolly people before that. that. That was my first villain. And I went on and on playing villains. Uh, I played all those uh, series, such as the, the, the lady mentioned. Um, it got to a point, at one point, when uh, I used to go into the office and say, don't cast me in this because everybody will know that I did it. Uh, uh, however, it stood me in very good stead and uh, these wonderful three franchises which I've been in, uh, God, I'm lucky. I think I'm the only actor who's been in all three of those. I'm really lucky to have done that. But now I'm a, an old man. Um, I hate women on tannoys even more than I used to. Uh, I'm an old man. I'm playing nice people now. However, I did play King Lear 10 years ago, which was one of the greatest things I've ever done in my life. Um, in uh, Shakespeare, I don't, I'm not confined to playing baddies. Um, but in the movies, I normally am. And so I hope that's a, a complete enough answer to your question. Yes, sir, please. Hi, Peter. Uh, quick question. Can we expect to see more of Chewbacca Oh. Hi, Peter. Uh, can we expect to see more of Chewbacca in the animated Clone Wars in the upcoming season? And secondly, the shirt you're wearing, can we buy that at your website? Um, the answer to your first one is probably, I don't know, uh, it all depends on ratings from you guys that watch the, the, watch the Clone Wars. I'm uh, keeping my fingers crossed that it will be will be involved more but that is not up to me it's up to either George or Dave Filoni the director um, no you can't buy these t-shirts they went out of production about 10 years ago sorry um, as I said hopefully Clone will carry on and Julie will be involved thank you very much all right Lydia let me ask you this uh, What's your opinion, or how, how do you find acting inside a costume versus acting outside a costume? It's very, very hot inside a costume. But um, when we worked on Return of the Jedi, and we had all of us Ewoks, all the little people as Ewoks, and you couldn't really tell who anybody was, because you didn't know. But then, as the characters started moving and walking about, I could recognize all of the individuals on the way, on their mannerisms, and on the way they walked, and the way they held their head. So they actually, instead of just somebody in a costume, they're a real person in a costume. And I think that's what really brings it into focus, that it's not just being in a costume, but you're acting in a costume, and the person comes through in that costume. 
Now I've done a lot of, I've done some music videos and other acting and, and, and different things and, and um, the only thing about a costume is it's hot. I enjoy both of them and um, you know people will recognize me and especially with my little waddle they'll always know who I am but it's you know it's a very fun thing and hot. That's the only thing. Okay, well, I hope everybody enjoyed that audio. I, again, I know it's um, not the best quality. There's a lot of background noise that the microphone will pick up, especially in a convention like that. There's a lot of people milling around right outside the room in the dealer's area, and I think there's uh, somebody making announcements at times during that. So, but you get the idea at least, right? And it was fun to see him. Uh, the uh, you know Peter Mayhew uh, he was walking his way around the dealer's room a little bit a couple times he passed kind of right by me and I'm a pretty tall guy I'm like six four but Peter you know being seven I think he's seven three or five something like that uh, he's a tall guy he's he's looking a little older he's got uh, he's walking around with a cane a little bit I I you know I have a feeling I know especially somebody that tall I gotta believe joints and things and 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 just that much height gravity over the years has definitely got to be weighing you down and hurting after a while but he still looked okay he looked in good spirits and all that i remember seeing him at a convention years ago probably 15 maybe years ago here in michigan a smaller convention you could really pretty much walk right up to his table talk to him a little bit and i did and uh, just kind of shook his hand he's got really big hands <laughs> i have pretty big hands too but man his hands are uh, huge and uh and just shook his hands, told him I really enjoyed, uh, you know, him in playing uh, Chewbacca in the movies and all. And uh, and I hope we get to see him. I don't know if you could pick it up in the audio there, but somebody did. One of the uh, people in the audience did ask about maybe more Chewie in the Clone Wars, and he and he's hopeful. We'll see if that happens. I I think it would be kind of cool. I'd like to see that. You know, if they they it wasn't just a one time thing in the uh, season finale for Clone Wars, maybe Chewie will. You know, maybe they'll have a mission that he's useful on or, they, you know, they're going to go to Kashyyyk or something like that. Who knows? But uh, I'd like to see more Chewie in the Clone Wars, that's for sure. What else about the convention that I can, I, can I pass on? I, I, I tried to move around the, the area, take some pictures. Uh, Sam, uh, what's his name? Sam Huntington, I think. I, I got the program book here. Let me, uh, I'll flip open and uh, give you guys a little bit more of a rundown of who else was there. Um, Let's see, Ernie Hudson, although he's there all the time. Brent Spiner, I already mentioned. Cindy Williams. Dean Stockwell was there. Dirk Benedict. Richard Hatch. Uh, Felix Sicilla, who played Tweaky on Buck Rogers and a lot of other things. Cousin It. Um, let's see, we've got uh, Kristen Bauer, who's on uh, True Blood, that great uh, vampire HBO series, which there's some trailers out for the new season. Starts in June. Check those out. Um uh, Tom Sullivan, Trisha Helfer, Battlestar Galactica, number six. Sam Huntington, yes, I took a couple pictures of him uh, as he was signing autographs. He is on uh, Being Human. He's also in that new movie out with uh, Brandon Routh. Uh, he's uh, the, what's it called, uh, Dylan Dog. Uh, what else? We've got Marta Kristen from the first our original um, TV series, Lost in Space. Well, they only did a movie, so I guess they didn't do another TV series. A couple of Brady Bunch kids. Uh, gosh, it was a, a pretty good guest list. They didn't have what I would say, you know, just a mega, mega star, which they've had occasionally in the past. They've had uh, Carrie Fisher has been there a couple times, uh, and, and that gets a little uh, awkward, you know, because 
she just, uh, I don't even remember if she gave a talk when she was there that year. I think I may have talked about that before on the podcast. But uh, it was a good time. I, I, I think that one of the things, my favorite things to do, and, and I know, I think Kenny, who goes to Comic-Con every year, has said this before, too. It's just fun to walk around, see people, see the costumes people have on. I thought the costumes this year, though, at least the ones I walked around and, and saw on the uh, floor, were there weren't as many. I didn't see quite as many, and I don't know, maybe the, the, the crummy weather was part of it. There was the usual Star Wars costumes. I, I, I grabbed some pictures of some Trek people in some costumes. Uh, there was a group of guys in costumes from the movie, uh, the, the 2009 versions of the uniforms that I got a pretty good shot of them. I actually put it up for the Trek daily pick yesterday. And, uh, but they, uh, there, there just didn't seem to be as many in costume this year. I, I've been there a couple of years where they've been a lot, lot more costumes. I, I didn't go to the, they had a costume competition yesterday afternoon, which I, I decided not to go to just because I thought the, there was kind of a lack of costumes. There were some good ones. There was a nice guy in a, in a Rocketeer outfit. There was a guy in a Stormtrooper outfit that was probably tall, as tall as me or maybe a little bit taller, and I kind of leaned over to him at one point and took a picture of him and then kind of leaned over and talked real close to his helmet and said, aren't you a little tall for a Stormtrooper? And he kind of chuckled. He liked that. So uh, didn't have even have as many Slave Leias. I know when I was there, was it a couple of years ago? Every time he turned around, he saw some woman in a Slave Leia outfit and uh you know, there there was maybe one this year that I saw, I think, or two. That's usually kind of a standard, and uh, so it was a little light on costuming. A lot of little kids actually in costume, which was nice to see. More than more more than older uh, people. There's a good Darth Vader. There's usually always a good guy, a good uh, Vader costume floating around on the floor. Uh, there was a, a guy who kind of had a Wampa costume, which was 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 pretty crazy. That thing must be hard to walk around in. And there was a great Chewbacca costume, actually, by the way. He was he needed to be just a little bit taller, wear some higher boots, but he still looked really good. I thought the costume was really well done, and uh, that I got a good picture of him in that outfit. Uh, so it was fun. I want to comment a little bit about the dealer's room in the dealer's area. I was really tempted to buy a few things. There was a there were a few things, couple couple of deals I saw and some stuff, but but overall, you know, one of my disappointments with this, and it's happened a few times now, uh, not just with this convention, but other things that I've been at uh, when I was at the Chicago uh, Comic Con last summer. Some of these dealers, I, I find a little, uh, what's a nice way to put this? Shady, <laughs> crooks. I, they, I, I know collectibles. I know pricing. I know what most of this stuff goes for pretty much. I follow it pretty closely and I walk by some of these areas and I hear them talking to people and they're really ripping off some people. I, I, I sometimes feel like just going over and butting in and say, look, buddy, you can go to any any collectible website, even Entertainment Earth, and buy that cheaper than this guy's trying to charge you for it. Uh, but I kind of didn't do that really that much. It, you know, I, I, I was just moving around through the areas, but I would pick up on these things. And some of the pricing that they had on some of the items, even, I, I didn't even have to hear anyone talking about it. I mean, it was just marked up crazy. And I did. I don't know. Maybe the economy has snapped back enough that people can afford these, you know, what I consider way above what these things should cost. Uh, you, that you can find on eBay cheaper or any other purchasing website. I mean, I'm talking about collectibles that are just currently just out there for sale. Not even older stuff. I'm not talking because older things, like older Star Wars figures, older Trek stuff, older things, older comics. Those 
the pricing on those can vary a lot, and that is really a more a matter of its price based on what people will pay for it to a degree. Because you can't just go and buy it readily now. It, it, it's a little more rare, but I'm just talking about stuff that's currently out there, for example, where we're being marked up. And that, that kind of disappoints me and kind of bothers me. There were some deals, a few of them here and there, but nothing nothing fantastic. Uh, some places had some pretty, pretty good uh, pricing, but overall, I was kind of disappointed in that. Some of these guys just were really ripping people off. And I'm also getting a little disappointed more and more as time goes on about the charging and the pricing that they do for the autographs. I mean, again, I understand some of these celebrities, this is how they do and make some money off this. A lot of times they're only, I think, being paid, maybe their expenses are paid to go to the trip, but they're not being paid in any other form. So this is how they make a little bit of money. But I liked it in the the days where it was more of donate what you want. I, I remember I've done that with several Trek celebrities even, where it was just, and you know what, I gave them 20 bucks. I just stuck 20 bucks in their little jar there or whatever they had or handed it to their assistant and got an autograph, but it wasn't required. And and again, I you know maybe other people have different thoughts about this uh, situation. But uh, and I've talked about it I think a couple times before. But you know thirty dollars really, Kate Mulgrew. You know, or was it forty? I think it was forty for Kate. And I know to some people probably even Kenny and 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 some of the the pricing that they have for autographs at Comic Con and uh, in San Diego it probably sounds like a bargain. But uh, I've always had a little bit of a weird you know, spot or a weird feeling or just a weird attitude and, and thoughts about charging somebody for, you know, their autograph. And, and, and it's, it's just, I don't know. It's just, uh, that's just me. I wish the, the conventions through their admissions could just pay everyone a little bit of a fee and then their autographs could just be, you know, Hey, if you feel like, you know, and maybe even the celebrities who didn't really necessarily really need the money. I think some of these people probably do need the money, but some of them that maybe don't, maybe they would just say, Hey, I, 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 anything you want to donate, it goes to charity. Here's my charity. And I know some of them do that. And uh, I, I really admire that. And, uh, but again, that's just, just my commentary, my thoughts on that whole situation. So it's not uh, not anything, uh, not any big deal. But uh, but anyway, overall, it was a it was a good time. I wasn't there nearly as long as I usually am at the convention. It it, uh, it the, by the time I guess it was three three thirty that afternoon, maybe even four o'clock. I had pretty much covered the dealer's room. I had seen who I wanted to see, grab some pictures, and so I was out of there. Actually, the one one funny little other story was. You know, here it is called the Motor City Comic Con, and, you know, I read comics. I, I pretty much pick up some comics each week, but you can't buy the, the current week's comics at the Motor City Comic Con. Most of it's older stuff, and there was nobody there that I could find at least selling this week's, you know, comics. So I had to drive over. It was just a mile or two away, which was kind of convenient to the local comic shop and pick up this week's comics, and I told the, the girl at the... At the counter, as I was paying for my comics, you know, I said, "Oh yeah, I was just over the convention," and she said, "Oh, that's probably why we're busier today than normal." And uh, and I said, "Yeah, you know, you think at a comic convention I could buy the comics I needed, but I couldn't buy this week's stuff." And uh, she just kind of smiled, and you know, I'm happy to support them and, and give them some money too. So, but that's I, I, I wasn't too surprised. Most of these guys, the dealers that set up, they probably didn't have time to get this week's comics and and put them out there. Most of it's older books. I'm not into really collecting older comics. There are definitely people that do that a lot, and it, it's never been anything that I've gotten into, and so uh, that uh, is probably a good thing. You know, I don't need anything more to collect. I think uh, that's going to wrap up my uh, my thoughts on Comic Con. 
I am uh, going to take a real short break, and I will just come back and wrap up today's podcast and uh, give you some guys uh, a heads up on what's coming up on Treks and Sci-Fi in the next few weeks. Hi, this is Chase Masterson from Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and you're listening to Treks and Sci-Fi Podcast. Okay, well, I hope you've enjoyed uh, today's podcast. Uh, please feel free to make donations to uh, the show uh, over at the main website, treksandsci-fi.com. Uh, there's a PayPal links there. You can set up one-time donations or a monthly donation of, you know, $3, $5. Those are always helpful. Uh, Dreamhost fees, I have monthly costs associated with the show, la, la, la. You know, <laughs> it's uh, – anyway. That's always great. And iTunes reviews, please put those up. Love those. And the more, the better. Okay, uh, coming up next week on uh, Treks and Sci-Fi on the podcast, we're going to be looking at uh, uh early uh, TNG episode, first season, uh, called We'll Always Have Paris. And I thought it would be fun to go back to the, one of the earlier days, earlier times of TNG. Uh, I think the last episode that I did in the podcast uh, for TNG, the last episode I covered was uh, maybe, the I think, the final, the finale, uh, All Good Things. So now we're going to go way back to the Season 1 episode, We'll Always Have Paris. That's next week on the show. Then over the next weekend, which will be Memorial Day here in the States that weekend, we will be doing a joint show. I'll be doing a joint show at, uh, with Jedi Jeff. We're going to cover the first Tron movie together, which should be fun to look back at that film, especially with uh, Tron Legacy that came out and uh, how well that did. And they're doing another one, too. They're doing uh, uh, going to do another Tron movie from what I'm hearing. So uh, that should be fun. And then in June, well, the schedule isn't set for that yet, so I'll let you know. I, a couple things, though, related to the summertime uh, and, and Treks and Sci-Fi. I'm tossing around the idea of only going or, or changing uh, to a every other week, every two weeks for the show for the summer. Not sure yet. I, I, I have mixed feelings about doing that, but I, I'm finding I have more things to do on the weekends, and that might be nice. The other alternative to that or the other possibility is getting a few more guest hosts and sliding those in and maybe not having – you know, maybe having just one week off a month or something. And uh, with that, I am definitely uh, wanting some guest hosts for the summer, especially I would love to have someone do a guest spot sometime around the middle of June. I've got a lot of things going on around the uh, uh, the weekend of, I don't know what it is, June 17th, 18th, 19th, that weekend. I So that's uh, a good about month away. If someone could uh, do a guest spot then, that would be great. Shoot me a PM on the forums if it's a forum member or an email, uh, that would be fantastic. I'd love to have at least one guest spot each um, month this summer for one for June, July, and August. So if anyone out there uh, wants to do a show, you could even do it ahead of time if it's about a you know a classic movie or TV show or something you know like that. Uh, just shoot me a message and uh, and let me know, and I'll pencil you in the schedule. So those would be great to, to have. And I, I know everyone enjoys getting a new voice here on the show, so... Uh, uh, I'd love to have some more uh, guest spots and uh, and meds. Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a direct shout out to meds. Meds, if you want to do, I know you've been talking about doing some Doctor Who stuff. Maybe sometime over the summer that'll work out. Uh, and covering, I think you were thinking of covering this season of Doctor Who uh, in in two spots instead of just one big spot at the end. Uh, maybe a middle of the uh, a season show for that. So. There's your shout-out for uh, for doing a, a guest spot. <laughs> All right, everyone, I'm out of here. Get this edited up, posted, and I hope you enjoy this uh, a little different Treks in Sci-Fi, mostly me just talking about you know TV and uh, Comic-Con and other things. So 
next week, uh, back to Trek, and we'll always have Paris. Until then, have a great week, everyone. Enjoy the uh, hopefully better weather this week will we'll happen here in Michigan and elsewhere. So take care. Talk to you again soon. Bye. You've been listening to Trek in Sci-Fi. For more information, visit treksinsci-fi.com. Write to Rico today at treksf at gmail.com. That's treksf at gmail.com. Set a course for Earth. Maximum warp. Copyright 2011. All rights reserved. I'm Captain Kirk. Treks in that is before you spray something. Your weekly dose of geeky goodness and entertainment news. This mission would have failed without your help. I won't dispute that. The only podcast where no one has podcasted before. Captain Abassians yet. I'm with you. We're not done with the Cardassians yet. I'm with the strategic importance of that world. Thanks for joining us or... Rex in sci-fi. Rex in sci-fi.